what you believe about Jesus will change everything you know about yourself, your world, your destiny. Welcome to our series on the Gospel of Mark, Son of God. Well, we are back in our series called Son of God. I want to say again just thank you to Dr. Kent Edwards who preached via video last week. That was kind of different, right? To Especially if you come normally in person and you saw someone on the screen. It has just been that kind of a year to, uh, to need to do that. Uh, but the benefit of allowing us to do that is enormous. Uh, Dr. Edwards is uh, a mentor of mine and a good friend, and as he introduced himself last week, we've known each other for uh, many, many, many years. He was my boss when I first got into ministry. He was my preaching professor in seminary, and as I pursued my doctorate, uh, he has just been so, so helpful and informative, and so I'm so glad to kind of introduce him to you. Even though he lives in California, he was able to preach and send us us video. Um, Just really, really powerful. Um, I really enjoyed watching it uh, to join online and be in the online campus while I was away and watch the message. Um, Just powerful, powerful story. And I want to use one of the things that he said last week as we begin this morning. A story about just how needed and necessary and powerful light really is. Let's check out that clip together. Have you ever seen the difference that light makes? Have you ever been in utter blackness? Total blackness. There have been many times when I have experienced that. But one time was a few years ago when I was with Crosstalk in Romania. We were there for two weeks of teaching, and in the weekend in between, a few of us went by van for hours from where we were meeting up into the mountains. They wanted me to be able to see what they called the Bear's Cave. It was called that because uh, bears hibernated there for centuries. Um, and when the winter came in those cold mountains, that's where they went to spend the winter. Anyway, we went to see it, and we paid our money and got our tickets, followed the guide, and there's a little path with lights along the way. It was one of those dark caves that, you know, have, I can never keep them straight, stalactites and slag, stalagmites. I don't know which is which, but, you know, the pointy things that come down or stick up, they're all around us. We had to stay on that narrow path or we'd be in trouble. We came to a bend in the path, and The guide told us to turn off all our cell phones and everything, and then he hit the switch, and the lights went out. You couldn't see a thing. Everything was black. Nothing. You couldn't see a thing. And guess what we all did when he turned out the lights, all of us in that line? Nothing. You couldn't move. There's no way we could have found our way back. There would be no escape because we were trapped in darkness. And we all held our breath until he turned on the lights. I remembered that as we continued our tour. Because he told us that 
many years ago, hundreds of years before. One winter there was an earthquake, and the only entrance to that cave had been blocked. And as we walked along that path, we saw the skeletons of bear after bear after bear after bear. All of them died in blackness, without hope, no way of escape. We came to the end of the path, and we turned to go head back to the entrance. And there, at that turnaround, was the biggest skeleton of a bear I have ever seen. It was ferocious and scary, even in death. But even he could not escape, because he was caught in the blackness. There was no way out. Likewise, John wants us to know that the Creator God came to give us light, to turn on the, the light switch so that we could find our way out of our sin and out of our, out of our darkness, out of our despair. He came that that might happen, and, and He was the light of the world. Have you ever seen the difference? love that story. I love that story that tells us that Jesus is the light of the world, that He gives us life because He lights things up. He allows us to see. Now, the thing about the Gospel of John, which we read for communion, that's actually, those verses are actually a little bit earlier than what we read during our communion time. The amazing thing about that metaphor of light is that Light isn't used as a metaphor only for Jesus. As a matter of fact, Mark would take that same metaphor and describe God's Word. He would come along and say, the light of the Bible is something that you and I need to proclaim, that you and I need to prioritize. And he would say this in Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He says this, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus is continuing what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. If you remember and were here, or even remember the story from growing up in church, if you've heard it, called the parable of the sower. And just as a quick recap, you remember that Jesus told a story about a farmer who went out to sow seed, and he seemed to be the worst farmer alive. Because he threw it along paths, he threw it into thorns, he threw it into thin soil with not a lot of good soil there, and he just kind of threw it everywhere, and it just seems like that was really irresponsible to treat something that had that much economic value to just toss the seed aside. Because he kept getting no return. It fell up along the path, birds came and ate it up. If he threw it into the thin soil, it would sprout real quick and then it would die because it couldn't get root. It would throw it into the thorns and the weeds and then the weeds and the thorns would choke it out. It would start to grow, but then it would die because there would be other things. But then he says that the farmer would throw in seed on good soil and he would get a return 30, 60 to 100 times what he had sown, which is mathematically impossible for seeds, right? I get that you sometimes get a couple extra, but talking about 30 times, 
60 times? 100 times? That's crazy. And Jesus says, you are the sower. And you and I are to sow the seed, which he says is the word of God, the Bible. God's word. And he wants you to know that the way the kingdom of God works is that most of the time people will reject it. They'll reject it outright. They'll reject it after a time. They'll reject it when other problems in life come along and they wonder, how come the Bible isn't making my life easier? And so they walk away and look for something better. But he encourages them by saying, actually, when it takes root in someone else's life, when someone else has a good heart, you don't know what kind of heart people have. You barely know your own. But when it takes root in someone else's life, it's going to have an impact beyond what you could possibly imagine. Yeah, Jesus says, it's hard work. Welcome to the kingdom. And sometimes, the reason, or the reason it's hard is because you get less than desirable results. So why invest yourself in being a preacher? In sharing God's word and God's truth with others? Jesus says it's because of the exponential results that sharing God's word will shake and will shape the world. But I get it, it's still hard to stay motivated. I mean, if you look at church history, there are stories of missionaries who go overseas and they land somewhere to proclaim the gospel and they're killed. Or they die with some illness that they didn't anticipate. And it seems like that happens. It seems like for us, if, if we try to become what Jesus is asking us to do, to be a sower of the Word, to, to preach in our context, to share truth with our, our spouses, our, our family members, our, our co-workers, that it just wears on you. You don't get to see the results. You don't get to taste of the fruit of this 30, 60 to 100 response. These missionaries would die and someone else would come and then maybe there'd be a huge revival. I spent some time in Myanmar training preachers as part of Crosstalk Global, the organization that uh, Dr. Edwards founded in order to train biblical communicators so that they could preach in their own culture. And in Myanmar, the story of how the church got started there was one man went in and maybe had 30 converts over the period of his entire life. He never saw large crowds. He never saw communities. He never saw transformation on a cultural level that we want to see, that we sometimes see in American churches. And yet, someone else came in and they never got any traction. And still today, Myanmar struggles with the local church in getting traction and growing in that area. How do you keep motivated? When you work and work and work and work and don't see the results. At what point do you just give in and give up? So Jesus is encouraging us to stay on the path of sharing God's word. That it matters, that it has value. And he continues by not just talking about how it will have an exponential impact, but it will also have an impact on you. And he starts with saying these verses about light. Actually, why don't we read them again? He said to them, 
do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. In other words, this is important. What he's describing is the revelation of God's Word. The special kind of revelation that it is. You see, if we didn't have the Bible, we wouldn't know how to describe God, would we? If left to our own devices, we would come up with every other world religion that has been created. There would be multiple deities and we'd say there's some kind of war happening and some people didn't get along and we'd wonder, how do we appease these gods? We wouldn't know that there's actually something bigger and better than the things that we can concoct and come up with. Even today, one of the greatest world religions that we see is people who say, I don't believe that there is a God, but they put their faith in the ever-expanding cosmos and universe, the karma that you can somehow receive. And the Bible just crushes all that and says, actually, there's something bigger than even the universe. And it's God, the God of the Bible. And it describes this God in a way that we would not think of describing God. That this God is perfect in every way, no flaws. And loves us perfectly in every way without flaw. And has acted so that we always have a relationship with Him. We wouldn't know about that God. We'd be figuring out, okay, so we want to have this in our lives, so we have to go offer this, we have to follow these ten steps, we have to do these things, and then, you know, the, the gods are appeased, and we have to... All of that would... We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know how to have a relationship with God. we know that there is one. We wouldn't know how to describe Him. We wouldn't know His characteristics. We wouldn't know anything more than that. And by that... Because the Bible itself is God speaking, sharing information about Him, sharing knowledge that we would not have without Him speaking, He basically says, that's the nature of the Bible, is it's like light. It's meant to reveal things. It's a light that's meant to display, to put on a stand. You don't take a light and immediately cover it up. No, you want a light that actually illuminates things. That's what the nature of it is. In other words, God's Word is meant to be shared because that's why God shared it with us in the first place. You don't hide light. You don't hide God's Word. And we need light. We have a new dog. Her name is Lucy. She's great. She is an inquisitive, curious little dog that... Um, it doesn't matter what you are doing. She's up in your face, up in your lap, and wants to know what it is that you're doing and wants to be a part of it. And she's got all of that puppy energy and wants to chase everything. That first snowfall that happened earlier this week, I was out walking her during the day and she could see puffs of snow being driven by the wind along the ground. And she'd be like, oh, I gotta go get it, you know, and dislocate my shoulder. And I'd go to, the, you know, all of that. She was just wrenching me all around the, the uh, yard the funny thing about dogs, though, is that, you know, you got to walk them. Not just because they have to play, but because they need to do their business, right? You don't want them doing their business inside. 
You want them doing it outside. And of course, we live on church property, right? The parsonage belongs to the church. We live right next door. And so we don't want to leave Lucy's business everywhere around the church property. Even if it's close to the house, we want to make sure we pick it up. We walk her around the house. We don't want to leave that. And the problem is, what do you do when you walk her at night and you can barely see? We would walk and, you know, we'd, she would do her business and then we go, wait, where did she do that? And we, you don't want to fumble around trying to find it, right? Like, that's not the way to do it. So what did we do? We started taking our cell phones with us, which have flashlights on them. And once she had done her business, we would take out the flashlight and illuminate the ground where she had just been. And ah, there we can scoop up her business and throw it out and get it out of the way because we don't want to leave that mess for someone else to step in or for us to step in later on down, uh, down during the week. God's Word is light. And sometimes you and I make messes. And the Bible calls those kinds of messes sin. And that's just as we go about our regular business. We sin. And the Bible shows us what that sin is. And it illuminates that area so that we can take steps to repent and be right with God again. We need that light to see the mess that we've made or that someone else has made so that we can make amends, repent, ask for forgiveness, or help someone else to make amends to repent or ask for forgiveness. We share the light of God's truth because we need it for ourselves and for our world. You don't hide light. Otherwise, we'd just be stepping in our own messes over and over and over again. And what that means is, that the faith that we have, the value of the Bible is that faith becomes public rather than personal. We have to shine that light so that we can see and that others can see this is the mess. Here's the solution. This is the mess. Here's the solution. And that's the value that's a good thing. Some people don't want their messes to be known, right? I mean, one of the blessings of the pandemic is that you don't have to clean your house right now because no one can come over, right? Like, one of the things that you would do is you would schedule people to come over just to force yourself to clean your house. And when people showed up at the door, you'd be like, just a second, and you'd figure out how to get stuff underneath and in a closet and out of the way, and how do you dust all particular places here, there, and everywhere. You, would do that. you don't have to do that right now. You don't have to clean that up. And we, we think, oh, it's great to live in our mess, but it's really not, right? The more it builds up, the more it gets out of control, and the more difficult and problems we, are, we have. So having that light is a good thing, and good things are never meant to be kept in secret forever. The story that Jesus will tell later in his life about a man who says that the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field. 
And the man sells everything he has and purchases that field because he knows of the treasure inside. That treasure, that idea of wanting to discover treasure, wanting to reveal treasure is the reason why we have archaeology. And why whenever we find something ancient that's a new discovery that verifies some history or teaches us something new about history, those are some of the most visited websites about that news on that day when it gets released. People love that kind of information. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I didn't know that about that. That is just the best thing about archaeology is that it's almost treasure-seeking And that is the value of the Bible, that it's like a a hidden treasure that has things for us that uh, that God wants us to experience and wants us to find. That's why he says, whatever is hidden will be disclosed. Whatever you didn't know, I am going to tell you, and I have told you over the period of millennia, now available to you in paperback or hardcover, on your phone, on a website, you can click something and have my truth available to you if you want this treasure. Now, you're not archaeologists, right? I don't, at least I don't think you are. No one has said that you are to me. So, Let's keep this idea going of what does it mean to value treasure. You know what this is like because you buy gifts for people at Christmas. And isn't the joy of Christmas Day watching someone open the gift that you had hidden under some wrapping paper or you had hidden in the house because you didn't want, you know, you couldn't wrap it in a way that wouldn't give away the present, that kind of a thing. And you hide it and you want to see the joy of what they've discovered. You want to experience that. That's the way God is with us, with His Word. He has hidden some things that we go find. He helps us find them. And when we do, we're like... This is amazing, God. And he goes, and he's finding joy in the same way that we find joy when other people open the presents that we got for them. We've got the greatest information of the greatest truth that the world could ever know. And that's how to live beyond your natural years. Live for all eternity in the presence of a God who is far better than we could ever ask or even imagine because of what He has done for us. And He wants us to discover that treasure through His Word. That's the greatest information that we could ever share. I think if we discovered a cure for a pandemic, I think we'd tell people, right? I think we'd tell people when we know and have experienced the cure for the greatest mess, the greatest sin that has cost us so much in our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship to the natural world, our relationships and our understanding of greed and and just the brokenness that we see and God gives us the cure. And He says, go find it. Enjoy it more deeply. What Jesus is describing when he says that God's word is light is that God has given us his special revelation through his word, speaking it himself so that we could know things about him that we'd never know otherwise. So that we can learn to treasure that and have that so that our lives are better when we deal with the sin and the messes that we and others create. So how? How do we begin to unlock this treasure? 
Jesus wants to be really clear about how we unlock this treasure. Because we've associated learning in a limited format. He says this in verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. So by that, he means where are you getting your knowledge from? Right? What's your source? Always go back to the Bible. Always go back to God's Word. But he then continues and says, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. What on earth is Jesus saying here? What he's saying is this. The only way that we gain more of God's truth is to apply it. The only way that we gain more of God's truth is to apply it. As a matter of fact, implicit in this statement is that that sharing God's Word is a natural byproduct of application. If you are truly applying God's Word, in other words, you are going to share God's Word with others. Here's how it works. The best teacher is what? What's the best teacher? If you were a teacher, don't say yourself. <laughs> if you were a teacher, what's the, best, uh, what's the best teacher? Life? Why is, but why is life the best teacher? It's about experience, right? The best truths that we will ever learn are the ones that we experience. Let me give you an example. A little child, you tell them, don't put your hand on that, it's hot, don't touch it. And you repeat the word hot, and sometimes you're loud and shrill. It's hot! Don't, you know, don't do that. And the little kid doesn't know what that means. They trust you, so they don't touch it. But they don't know why. But if they do touch it, and I'm not recommending this as a parenting tip, by the way. This is not how to parent your kids so that they get experience more quickly. If they touch it, they understand through experience, through personal experience, that that's bad, right? That's the most powerful teacher, is our own experience. And what Jesus is saying here is that the only way that you learn God's Word is through applying it. You can study it all you want. You can try and get degrees in it. But knowing God's Word is not about getting a degree. It's about being in a trade school. It's about picking up the tools, putting them into practice, and doing things as God commands, as Jesus commands, and figuring out how to put those into your cultural context. That's why experience is the best teacher. If you were to tell me that you know how to make the best Christmas cookies. The best. You know, and, because, and the reason you know that you can make the best Christmas cookies is because you have the recipe. I would go, great, bring the cookies. Share them with your pastor. <laughs> and that's a, that's a really good, t- no, just, I'm kidding. You don't know how to bake Christmas cookies until you actually bake the cookies. You don't know the Bible until you actually start to apply the Bible. 
That's when you gain real knowledge. Knowledge is not just information, it's transformation. And then, as you are transformed, as you begin to apply it, something begins to happen. Your experience becomes example. You become an example. You become the proof. God's word is the truth. God's followers, God's people are the proof of that truth. You become a light to others. You become an example to them saying, this is what it means to apply the Bible. And anyone who says, I know the Bible, but I'm not going to apply it, like we learned last week, is not an example. The world would describe them as hypocrites. You know something and you choose not to do it for whatever reason. So Jesus says, why should we persevere in sharing God's truth, God's word, God's plan with others? Is because of the revelation that the Bible is, the revelation that God's Word is. It reveals the truth of life and because the application is necessary for understanding. Do you remember the song, the, the Sunday school song, if you went to church when you were a kid growing up? Do you remember the song, This Little Light of Mine? Do you know that song? Yeah, you know how it goes? This little light of mine. Come on. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. Right? I'm going to let it shine. Wasn't hard, right? It's, it's an easy one to know. Based on this passage, I think, if, though, if we were to rewrite it, I would wreck it. And I would make it more appropriate to this passage. Because what Jesus is saying here is that this little light of mine doesn't need to be little. The light that you have is based not on your knowledge but on your application and the more that you apply God says the more that I will teach you if you don't apply then you'll forget what you have learned this little light of mine and yours doesn't have to be so little let your light shine more brightly as you share God's word with others through your words and through your deeds. A couple of application questions for you. They're going to be on our website under this particular message. You can visit there and, and check out these questions. They'll be in your growth group this week, or you can talk about them on your way home uh, as you drive home, or you can talk about them with your family uh, just as we wrap up our service today. Here they are. Question one. How has the light of God's Word revealed areas in your life where you needed to change or repent? How has the light of God's word revealed areas in your life where you needed to change or repent? And question two, what's something that you'd like to try, even if it's unfamiliar or difficult, in order to share God's word with others this week? Your light, this little light of yours, doesn't have to be so little. So let's share that light. Applying it, being an example in word and in deed this week. Amen?
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Without your word, we would not know who you are. We would not know the greatness and the glory of Jesus. We would not understand all that he has done and all that he has accomplished and all that he is and all that we can be because of him. You have given us your word as a light, not to be hidden from our lives, not to be hidden from our world, but to shine brightly in us and through us. So Lord, would you help our little light to not be so little as we share your word with ourselves and with each other this week and going forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.